0: So, picture this. No, not like Sophia Petrillo from the Golden Girls, but really, picture this. Jesus has spent the last three years of his life pouring out miracles and messages everywhere he went, and who was with him? His 12 disciples. He's talked countless times about his departure, but this time is different. It's more consistent, the writings on the wall, And so in the midst of the chaos, he tells his disciples that he has something for them. It's a gift. And the gift is... It's peace. John 14 and 27 says that Jesus says this specifically. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, Be courageous. I'm your host, Brittany Lynn, and over the next few weeks, we're going to dissect this moment between Jesus and the disciples and discover what it means when Jesus, number one, chose to give them a gift, and number two, when he chose that gift to be peace. In this episode, we're talking about the gift of peace. Gift giving is no new thing but it is an important one. In fact, it's a primary way we give and receive love. As one of the five love languages, we cannot skip over this moment in Jesus's life, nor in the life of a disciple of Christ. Perhaps you're familiar with love languages, and maybe you're not. So let's take a quick look at this phenomenon. In 1992, Gary Chapman, pastor, therapist, and author, released his first book. The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. In it, he theorized that there are five primary love languages. Words of affirmation, touch, acts of service, quality time, and receiving slash giving gifts. This one book has spun into a series of other books and more importantly, has sparked thousands of conversations about how we give and receive love. The general theory of the five love languages is that every person has a primary way in which they give and receive love. And while most of us are drawn to one or two of these five, they are all significant to the human experience. When testing 100,000 people, Chapman found that the most popular love language was words of affirmation, and giving and receiving gifts was the least popular. But that was by a super small margin. And while this test of the 100,000 people doesn't necessarily indicate the most popular and least popular love languages, it has been theorized that giving and receiving gifts has gotten a bad rap. Most people think that receiving gifts as a primary love language indicates shallowness, vanity, and exorbitance, when, well, that's actually not quite true. Chapman explained that it's not the price tag that's important to this person. It's the thought. It's the care or the effort that went into choosing or executing the gift. The right present makes this person feel seen, understood, and appreciated. In a HuffPost article, Nicole Saunders, a Charlotte, North Carolina therapist and supporter of the five love languages said, To give a gift with meaning and thought behind it requires attention and empathy, which ultimately strengthens the relationship connection. It is. The gift then becomes a symbol of the sentiment, increasing its value. So guys, let me ask you this. What do you recall being the best gift you've ever received and why? Was it more than just the actual gift? What did it mean to you? I'd love to hear your stories. If you can, email me at info at at atpeacelife.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at at collective. for listening to today's episode of the At Peace podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lynn. I just wanted to take a quick moment to ask you to consider supporting this podcast by becoming a member of my Patreon. If you aren't familiar with the Patreon platform, it helps creators like me connect with people like you who want to support the work that I do. So if you find value in this episode, consider becoming a monthly subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You'll get access to more content, Patron only live streams and discounts on At Peace Merchandise. Become a peacemaker today by joining me at patreon.com slash Brittany Lynn. That's patreon.com slash B-R-I T-T-A-N-Y-L-Y-N. Now let's get back into today's episode. There has to be something to giving gifts. Consider this, in our culture, whether it's a national holiday, a special anniversary or a birthday, it is custom to give the honoree something special, something treasured, something to commemorate the moment. Before we took our break, I asked you to think about your favorite gift and what it meant to you. While researching for this episode, I decided to ask some of my friends the same question, and this is what they had to say. So little kid Justin was totally a nerd, Um, thick glasses, asthma, reading three books a day. But my mom changed my life when she brought a computer the first week of school my seventh grade year. It was an investment in my future, but also it, it, it changed my life. It introduced me to graphic design. And this gift also opened my eyes to the fact that the world was so much bigger than Memphis, Tennessee. Um, It reminded me that there's possibility in places that I never could have imagined. I am so thankful for this gift and so thankful for my mom for just the beauty that she created in my life through this gift. The best gift I've ever received was my first car, which was a Honda Accord, and I received it the semester before my senior year of college. It was a gift from my parents, and what made it special was that I didn't ask for a car. I'd never assumed that my parents were going to get me a car, and I thought that I would just buy myself a car after I graduated and started working, and I thought it was um, a really wonderful surprise, and it set me up to not have to have a car note for the first 10 years of my working life, and so it was a really, really great head start, as well as just being a really thoughtful surprise and kind of a reward for not assuming that I should get a car. In listening to their stories, one of the common threads was that the gift was their favorite or best because of their relationship to the person who gave them the gift in the first place. When coming from a close friend or relative who has spent time with you and listened to your seemingly frivolous desires or random needs or wants and receiving it, well, (laughs) it shows intimacy. And not just that, but it shows that vulnerability can be rewarded. Personally, I've always prided myself on being an excellent gift giver. There's just something about surprising someone with a present that they casually mention wanting or coming across a gift that screams the name of a person I care about that just gets me excited. Recently, one of my dearest friends had a birthday. We talk almost every day and I heard her mention that she was almost out of one of her favorite perfumes. I instantly knew that this was exactly what I was gonna get to celebrate her most recent trip around the sun. Since she had mentioned running low a while before her birthday, timing was everything. And I had to be a little cunning. I reached out to her son so I could make sure that I had the right perfume, not just the right brand. And then while on the phone with her, I would casually bring up perfumes and fragrances just to make sure she had not picked up a new bottle. Once I was certain I could get it before she did, I ordered it and had it shipped directly to her. She loved it. And well, let me let you hear her response. Brittany, this is all I had left from my look, look, for my perfumes. Look, look, this is all, can you see the little, this was my travel size is all that was left. And this much is a travel size. And when I went, they didn't have any. <laughs> I need the sparkle. Little did I know, there was a sparkle. On the way. And I never had this. Never had this. Never, ever had this. Because I've never had a set. Because I've only bought it at the Kate Spade. So... And it didn't even have to sit outside. Why? Mm-hmm. She's here. Ah! She's here. Ah! Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany. Yes. You see, gifts are never just about the item. It's all about the effort and the thought that was put into it. So when Jesus tells the disciples in John 14 and 27 that he was giving them a gift, he was saying, I've spent time with you. I know your deepest desires and I'm choosing to respond to them by giving you what you have expressed wanting or needing. He's saying, I hear you. I see you. And I'm responding with more than just words but I'm going to give to whatever area in your life you feel is lacking. We can't do this moment in the life of Jesus and the disciples justice without considering their relationship a bit. The relationship between Jesus and his disciples is one that illustrates the beautiful but challenging nature between the divine and humanity. You have disciples like Peter who are nuck if you buck all the time, and others like Judas who was dipping his little greedy hands in the donations for his own personal benefit. And in all of this, Jesus loved them fiercely. We'll talk about the events surrounding this moment in a later episode, but we cannot do justice to the gift of peace without acknowledging what we're in the midst of. Again, Jesus is preparing the disciples for what would be his death and resurrection. Of course, Jesus was always talking about this during his three years of ministry. But at this point, the writing is on the wall. Chaos is starting to ensue. Jesus is talking about his eventual death even more. Not to mention, he's openly acknowledging how two of the disciples would contribute to his death. So I think it's safe to say that the disciples are beginning to freak out. Now, the interesting thing about this is the way Jesus chooses to love them at this time. Like we mentioned earlier, there are five main love languages, words of affirmation, touch, acts of service, quality time, and giving gifts. The truth is Jesus does all of these with the disciples. However, of all the languages, giving a gift at this time seems a little odd. Look, We're accustomed to gifts being given to celebrate a momentous occasion or to celebrate an accomplishment, but we don't really expect gifts during times of panic, anxiety, and so forth. But again, Jesus gives the gift of peace. Think about this. We're used to receiving hugs or warm embraces during times of anxiety, that's touch. We can get with someone offering to take the load off of us by performing a task, That's acts of service. Or maybe just being with us and encouraging us that things will get better. That's quality time and words of affirmation. But again, Jesus gives the gift of peace. I think this is really significant because what we see is there are no boundaries in his love for his disciples. He loves well. He loves wholly. He loves so much that he shows excess of his love without receiving anything close to what he is giving. That's the beautiful and mind-blowing dynamic between the divine and humanity, between God and his children. We have to sit in that for a moment. When the disciples had done nothing to deserve it, Jesus gives. Even though receiving gifts is not my primary love language, When I receive a gift for no reason at all, I feel the most loved. You see, receiving a gift without a particular accomplishment tied to it shows the recipient that the love the giver has for them is not attached to what they do or who they are. It says, I love you for you, nothing else. And what Jesus is telling the disciples and telling us today is, I'm giving you the gift of peace for no other reason than I love you. This is not transactional. I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just showing you that I love you. And then there's the gift itself. He gives us peace. Obviously, by the name of this podcast, the topic of peace is going to be a common thread here. We'll talk about it often because there's just so much to say about it. But let's start by defining what peace is. One of the earliest appearances of peace in scripture happens in Exodus 14. It's probably one of the most popular scriptures about peace and it's happening as the children of Israel are escaping Egypt and getting ready to cross the Red Sea. Again, we see people panicking because like how? The Egyptian soldiers are coming after them and there's this huge sea in the way. Right before the miracle of the Red Sea crossing, Moses looks at the people and says this, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So Moses tells them to hold their peace. But let's look at this word in a few different Bible translations. In the message version of the Bible, it says God will fight the battle for you and you, you keep your mouth shut. So in the message version, it speaks of peace in your tongue, being quiet, keeping your mouth closed. Whereas in the Amplified Bible, the same scripture says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. So in the Amplified Bible, it speaks of peace being in your physical state. It talks of rest. And finally, when we look at the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Now in this version, it talks about being calm, which often refers to your mental or emotional state. I bring this up because we can conclude from this one scripture that there are several ways that peace manifests. But more importantly, I want us to notice that if we're gonna talk about peace, like real Jesus peace, we can't say that we are at peace with just one of these manifestations. To be at peace means that we have all of them. You see, I can be quiet and not saying anything, but have chaos going on in my mind. I can be sleep or on vacation, but not really resting. I can have a cool as a cucumber demeanor, but dealing with inner turmoil. Too often we settle for one of these, and God tells us that peace is not partial, it's whole. Even when we look in the dictionary, we see more than what we typically expect. It says, Peace is freedom from disturbance. It's a state of being tranquil. It's a state of mutual concord between governments. It's harmony. It's pacification, a treaty to cease hostilities. Going back to the Bible, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which translates to be wholeness nothing broken or missing. It speaks of the condition of inner stability. It means that his peace is operating in us. Similarly, the Greek word for peace is irene. Irene means a state of national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war, peace between individuals, harmony, concord, security, safety, prosperity, felicity, because... Peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. So look, guys, when we say that we are at peace, we're making a super radical statement. We're not just saying that we're calm. We're saying that we are whole. We're saying that despite pressure, despite turmoil, our feet are firmly planted and we are not moved because we have inner stability. We're saying that whatever is needed to settle the issue Jesus has already paid for it. Where there was once a deficit or debt, we have enough to satisfy the bill. There's no disagreement. The contract has been fulfilled. Let's look back at John 14 and 27 again, but this time let's look at it in the amplified version of the Bible. It says, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. When Jesus says that he's leaving peace, not only do we realize that he's saying that he is leaving this powerful gift by way of the definition of what peace is, But we also have to celebrate that he is the only one qualified and selfless enough to give it. The peace we crave, the peace we have access to is because Jesus paid the high price for it. Notice one other thing. Jesus didn't say, I wish you peace. He didn't just say, I hope you have peace. He said, I give you peace. He was telling them and he's telling us today that his blood brought peace and will bring peace to any and every area of our lives that we need it. All those things that are needed in order to bring harmony and pacification have been done. Jesus was telling them, I will literally cause peace between heaven and earth. I'll make heaven accessible on earth. So y'all, what is peace? Peace is wholeness. It's complete satisfaction. It's harmony and healing where everything is working as it should and working together. Peace is when there's no more war, not only between men, but even within ourselves. My favorite way of defining peace is it's the lack of lack. It's literally the best gift the disciples could have ever been given. And what makes it better is it was given to us too. Join me next week as we talk about the giver, Jesus himself, and what qualified him to give it to us. Until then, be whole, be well, be at peace.